Well, deep thoughts from a shallow Christian. I sure hope that our guests here today don't go away thinking that that's what we really believe. Sometimes humor is used to, to punctuate a point. I want to talk to you this morning about procrastinating, and I don't need to tell you how to do that. That's not what the talk is about. It's about how not to pro- procrastinate. The fact of the matter is, is that all of us, by nature, do procrastinate in some ways. And everybody said, oh, that was very dreary. But actually, when you think about it, it is a dreary thought, isn't it? So often, we do procrastinate. Um, we uh, built a deck on the back of our house. I thought it was two years ago. Hank, sitting in the front row of the first service, said, no, Pastor, it was three years ago. Built a deck three years ago, and we still don't have stairs on our deck. They're not there. Now, I want you to know, I had every intention of getting those stairs built this year. Uh, I had every intention of getting them built last year. In fact, I, I had every intention of having those stairs built the, the year we built the deck, but things came up and things got in the way and it just didn't happen. Uh, and I've got a good excuse, by the way. I've got a very good excuse. I mean, everybody knows that we just went to Zambia, right? That's right. And we were there for a whole three weeks. And, and uh, I mean, the summer's not that long, right? And so the stairs weren't built. I hired, uh, I usually hire stuff out because I don't have time to do stuff, and so we hired out our fence, somebody to build the fence, and the fellow who built our fence, uh, he's not here, so don't anybody panic, I'm not tattling on him, but uh, he, he built a, a, a gate that goes out, into the, out behind our house so that when the kids are throwing a Frisbee, we can go get it. Well, he built the gate, and um, the gate didn't open. And you know, if you built a gate, you need it to open. Exactly, yeah. So I thought, you know, I, I've got a bit of carpentry experience. In fact, I built the deck. Uh, so I took that gate. In fact, I got the boys to do the, take the gate down. The boys took the gate down. I said, take that gate apart. We're going to build a new one. I just didn't say when. <laughs> and so I said, look, take some boards and put them up on the, over that opening, crisscrossed across the back. And... Uh, it's been like that about a year now. And the gate pieces are still sitting on our deck. You can still see the hinges, thankfully, that did not rust onto our deck. It's not finished yet. It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, usually the most important stuff is left to the last minute and oftentimes left unfinished. The stuff that's not important, the stuff that's not urgent, the stuff that's of no great consequence, that's the stuff we get done really well, right? Let me illustrate. When I was in Bible school, uh, I was one of those that got the paper in on time, but boy, just on time. And uh, I wasn't the only one. In fact, I think all of us did that. There's a, few, uh, there's a few keeners that got them in on time. I think Taryn's one of those keener kids. Um, but I'd sit, down on my, I'd sit down on my desk, open the book, and every one of you can relate to this. Sit down, open the books, got my pad of paper out. I'm sitting there. I've got, got to trim my nails before I can do my work. 
got to put more comfortable pants on before I can do my work. Oh, there's some flies on the windowsill. Better clean those flies off the windowsill. Back to work. Some socks on the floor. Better pick them up, put them in the wash. Oh, while I'm up, I may as well make myself a cup of coffee, right? Get the coffee on. While I'm waiting for the coffee to brew, I may as well go to the can. Go to the can, realize, hmm, nobody's cleaned this place for a while. I better do that while I'm making for the, make, waiting for the coffee so that I can do my work. Next thing you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours has gone by, and the paper still has not been finished. Never mind that, it hasn't even been started. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I was listening to the CBC, and anybody remember Peter Zowski from many, many, many years ago? He was interviewing an author and said, how is it that you're able to be so prolific in, in writing these books, these novels? And what's your secret? He goes, well, I've got one secret, and it's this. You ready for this? Now, I, my ears are perking up because I, I, I'm now in the ministry, and man, it's preparing sermons now. And it's, I got a paper due every week, and I've got a deadline, and I got to be here on time and be ready to go, right? He says, the secret to my success is this. You taking notes? He says, you've got to apply, apply the seat of your pants to the seat of the chair. That's my secret. In other words, you just got to sit down and get down to business. You've got to make it happen. You've got to do what needs to be done. Now, I want to say this to you this morning. Every one of us who has put his or her faith in Jesus Christ, everyone who, is, who has gone on to the narrow road that we talked about in our last series, understands that that road that we're traveling on is a road that leads to where? It leads to eternity. Every one of us who's put our faith in Jesus has come alive. Jesus says that he has given us eternal life. And everybody who has received eternal life has a special assignment, a special work to do, a work that only you can do. Do you understand this morning that as people who have been given the gift of eternal life, that everything you do has eternal significance and everything that you don't do has eternal significance. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because you thought that, you know, you just become a Christian and then you just go on your merry way and that everything, everything's hunky-dory now, right? I'm going to heaven, I got my, my fire insurance, I'm not going to hell. I'm going, to, I'm going to be with Jesus and everything's cool. I can just go on living my life. If you believe that, then you really don't understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because a follower of Jesus Christ is somebody who understands that his or her actions have eternal significance. It echoes in eternity. The Apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome again. And while he's there, he writes a letter to his young protege, Timothy. And he writes Timothy a letter, a letter which we call 
if you know your Bible, we call it 2 Timothy. This letter is a letter of encouragement to Timothy. It's a letter to, to, to prop him up and to remind him of the things that he needs to do. You know, it's a typical sort of my last instructions before I go away. And not only that, but there was special need. Paul had some special needs, and he wanted Timothy to take care of them. Now, here's the thing. Paul recognized that this would be probably, it's probably the end now for him. He probably doesn't have much time left. In essence, the book that we call 2 Timothy were really his last words, his last words. And he's requested Timothy to come to him as soon as possible. So let's take a look at what Timothy is told by Paul in that letter. And if you could just read that with me, starting with Timothy here. Ready? Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Try hard to get here before winter. Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, and Claudia, and all your friends here send greetings. God be with you. Grace be with you. Now, I, wanna, I want to, to impress upon everyone here this morning an, an extremely important truth. It, in my opinion, is, is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of, of the highest priority. And here it is. Every single person here today has a special assignment. And some of us have more than one assignment simultaneously, but all of us have at least one special assignment given to us by God. The question this morning is this. Have you taken the time to figure out what your assignment is? Everybody who has been born again, everybody who has received Christ, everybody who calls himself or herself a follower of Jesus Christ has been given an assignment to do. And the question is this. Are you completing your assignment? Are you working on your assignment? Or are you procrastinating? Are you putting it off? Have you stalled out and it's been a while since you have been actively involved doing the things that God wants you to do. The Apostle Paul has given Timothy an assignment. And I believe with all my heart that this is an assignment that comes right from God himself. And Timothy's assignment is to get to Paul. What is the great need in your life right now? That's what's a question every one of us needs to ask. What's the great need that's in our face that represents itself to us? What is the great need that you and I have the ability to address? What's the great need that you and I can take care of, we can solve? In Timothy's case, all he had to do was get to the Apostle Paul. That was his assignment. That was the need, and it was an assignment that only Timothy could fulfill. Paul's imprisoned. He says here in verse 10 that Demas has deserted him, so he's deserted. 
Imagine this, this poor guy who's poor, literally poured out his whole life to preaching the gospel and to, and, and to traveling the world to share the good news about Jesus Christ. He is now in prison. He's facing what he knows is a certain end. He knows he's going to be put to death very soon. And the ones closest to him have just deserted him. He's lonely. He's broken. He feels deserted. He feels... really discouraged. He's in need. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 13, he says, And when you come, Timothy, be sure you bring the coat I left with you at Carpus, with Carpus at Troas. Also bring me my books and especially my papers. Timothy, you've been given an assignment. It's a job to do. Paul, the great Paul needs you. Paul needs his coat because winter is coming and he knows that without a coat, I mean, you and I, we take this for granted. We know that if we don't have a coat, someone will give us one. We can go to the clothing ministry at Cross Church and get a coat if we need one. We can go to Value Village if we need one. We can go to Walmart and get one for 10, 15 bucks if you get a right sale. It's not the way it was in Paul's day. You didn't have a coat, you were in big trouble. A coat was extraordinary of extreme value. And you might have one in your lifetime. Paul said, Timothy, you've got to get here. You've got to get my coat to me because winter's coming. None of that, Paul, uh, uh, Timothy, but I, I've, got, I've got things to write. I, I've got to work on some doctrinal issues. I need you to get my books to me. I need you to get those scrolls to me. Get those papers to me, Timothy, so that I can continue my work from prison. And you know that Timothy was one of the great leaders of the church. And much of what we read in the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. So you understand the, the utmost importance of this work that Paul is doing, and he needed Timothy to follow through. He needed Timothy to get the job done. It truly was a matter of life and death. At least it was a matter of spiritual life or death. Timothy's been given the job. Get here. Timothy, I need my coat. I need my papers. I need my books. And besides of which, Timothy, I feel so discouraged. I feel so lonely. I feel, I feel deserted. In fact, Timothy, I have been deserted. Some of you will remember back in February, we had uh, Pastor Robert McLean come to us. I talked to him in the middle of the week, but the middle of February. He said, Pastor Allen, I want to share with you some of the pictures that I took of a family that you helped out. I said, we helped out a family in Fairford? I couldn't even remember it. It happened, it happened I don't know, maybe a year and a half before that time. He said, yeah, a family, actually grandparents, their house burnt down and all the eight kids that they had that they were taking care of, it's eight or seven kids, uh, surely could know the details on that. They lost their house. They lost everything. So then your church, Cross Church, asked, what can we do to help? And Cross Church said, we don't want to just give used clothing. We want to provide a brand new outfit for everybody, brand new clothes, brand new boots, brand new winter coats. We outfitted that whole family. And on top of that, we gathered some other things and Shirley gathered some things from people at her work. 
we were able to bless that family. Robert told me, showed me the pictures right there in my office, and as he's telling me this, I, I, I got tears rolling down my cheeks now because I, I forgot about this. He says, Pastor, you have no idea what impact this made on these people. He said, because of what Cross Church did in response to, to this great need, the whole family gave their hearts to Jesus. Now I'm like, I'm like choking it down, trying not to sob. <laughs> I said, Robert... It's Wednesday, but you need to come to church on Sunday, our church. And you need to come and tell us all about it. You need to tell us what happened. And so he stood right here, and some of you remember that, in February. And he stood here, and as far as I knew, he was just going to talk about how this church had blessed that family. And I thought, you know, that everybody would be encouraged here to continue to do good works. And I said, well, while you're at it, would you tell everybody about your work? And then what, what he said shocked me, because I had, I, he, he hadn't told me this before, I had no idea, and before everybody here, he said this. He said, my wife and I, our, our income had been reduced in half. How many of you could re- live on your income being reduced in half? We, our income was reduced in half, and we felt as though God had abandoned us. We felt, as the Apostle Paul said, we felt deserted. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we hear from Cross Church. To make a very long story, just long. Our church took up an offering for Robert that day, and I, we gave somewhere between three and five thousand dollars to help him. That was just a spur of the moment kind of thing. Be like if I passed an offering plate around right now and go ahead, ushers. No, I'm just kidding. Be uh, if we took up an offering right now, three five thousand dollars. And what happened was that. There was birthed in our hearts the realization that there was actually something that we could do as a church. And I said to Robert, Robert, isn't anybody helping you? And you know what he told me? He said, Pastor, your church is the only one. There's nobody else that's reaching out to us. There's nobody else doing anything. I was floored. I couldn't believe it. Now talk about an assignment dropped in our laps from God. We started talking together, Taryn and Lindsay and Nathan and, and, and some of the interns. We started talking together about, about the need that was before us. And we decided that there was, in fact, something that we could do to help out. And so you know what we did? We started meeting with Robert on a regular basis, and we started helping him or, get organized. And then on top of that, we said, Robert, we're going to give Lindsay to you to serve you and to help you get organized and be an administrator. And then we called the district superintendent, who is responsible for the fellowship of our churches. And I said, you know, you need to really, we need to really showcase Aboriginal missions at the district conference. Can we do that? He says, oh, yeah, sure. And I don't think he really fully understood what I was asking for, but he said yes, so that was good enough for me. We, our team went back and we started working on it. We, we put together uh, six 3 by 10 banners. We hung them up. Uh, the, the conference was at Emmanuel Pentecostal Church. We hung them up, and it will tell you, spectacular. Robert comes in. He sees the kiosks that we've set up and these beautiful banners, and he starts to cry. He said, nothing like this. I've never seen anything like this. Nobody's done this for us before. 
we made a presentation to, the, to all the pastors Wednesday afternoon, 3 o'clock. Robert, district superintendent, myself, and we began to share the need. And I said, it's going to cost us $200,000 a year to run this ministry. And my people, I've got to tell you this, we're talking about 27 churches and over 100 communities in the north that need the gospel. I'm not saying that we're the only ones doing anything, but I can tell you this, there's not much being done. And here we have a mission field on our doorstep. Folks, wouldn't you agree with me that it's our responsibility to rise to the occasion to take care of this need? Would you agree with that? It's an assignment given by God. Do you know want to know something? It was the South Koreans that came and said, if nobody here was going to do it, that they would do it. And I said, God, that can't be right. Thank God for their willingness, but it's our job. It's in our backyard. And so for $200,000, we can run this ministry. We had a banquet that night. We took up an offering, asked the pastors to write on an envelope what they thought their church could do to help Aboriginal missions. And so with the pledges and the donations, I can tell you that just this past Wednesday, through Cross Church stepping up to the plate and saying, God, I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. I'm willing to complete the assignment. We were able to raise $100,000 this past Wednesday. Yes, give the Lord a hand. Now, that's a dramatic example. You say, Pastor, are you expecting me to go raise $200,000 for some ministry? No, 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 I'm not asking. Well, you could if you want to. We could use it. This is, what, this, is, this is a thing. Everyone here today has been given an assignment to do. Everyone has work to do. If you're a parent, you have an assignment. Your job is to influence your children for God. Your job is to direct your children to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go home, take up your Bible, and start thumping your kids with it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and kneeling on pebbles and putting on uh, sackcloth and, and saying 100 Hail Marys. You could do it if you wanted to, but I don't think it gets you anywhere. What I'm talking about is this. I'm talking about the assignment to truly love your children to the point that you're able to influence them for God's glory and honor. That's your assignment if you're a parent. And can I just tell you this? The assignment never ends. Your job, once you become a parent, you're a parent for the rest of your life. Unless you outlive your, your kids, you're a parent. And your job is to influence them. You know how you do that? you love them and you love them mark and jenna you love them you spend quality time with them psychologists say that all it takes is 15 quality minutes every day with your children and you will be able to influence them in a way that will please and honor god that's it that's your assignment if you're a parent if you're married your assignment, especially men, I'm going to talk to men right now. Ladies, you can plug your ears and say the alphabet if you want. 
or not, don't. Men, your job is to make sure that your marriage is healthy, that your, your wife is happy in her marriage. Don't say, well, there's nothing. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't have to do anything. It's, if she's got a problem, that's her problem. It's your problem, at least according to my Bible. It's your job to make your wife happy. In fact, the Bible says to cheer her up. Use your imagination. That's your job. That's your assignment. And if things aren't good in your marriage, gentlemen, then you do what it takes to make sure that they are good. That might mean you need to sign up for counseling. And by the way, can I just say this to everybody? I think everybody should go for counseling because we're all a little nuts. <laughs> yep, we all are. We all need coaching. We call it, call it coaching if counseling is, is, uh, it freaks you out. You need to go for some coaching. I mean, if you've got a sore foot or you've got a heart pain or whatever, what do you do? You go to the doctor. If you've got relation problems, you go to the relationship doctor. That would be me or any counselor. It's your assignment. It's your job. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Timothy, come before winter. Are you a Sunday school teacher? You've got an assignment to do. You've got an assignment to influence those kids for God's glory. Guess what? You only have them for a year. You've got a deadline. Timothy, come before winter. Come before the deadline. Come before it's too late. If you're, a, if you're a school teacher, you've only got those kids for a year. I, uh, I had an amazing camp counselor one year. His name was Pete Piper. And he looked at me and he said, Alan, I've watched you for years and I recognize there's something special about you. Special Alan. <laughs> He said, I see that the hand of God is upon you, and I believe that God has called you into ministry. He says, am I reading this wrong? I said, actually, Pete, I actually felt that God wanted me to do that, but I wasn't sure. He says, Alan, I see it in you. He says, before this week is up, make sure you spend some time in prayer in the chapel. Make sure that you hear the voice of God. And guess what? It was at that camp that week that I knew that I knew that I knew that God wanted me in the ministry. Pete Piper had one week. He had a deadline. It had to happen in that week. Understand something today, folks. You have been given an assignment. There's a need that represents itself to you, and God expects you to respond in faith by doing the thing that only you can do. Some of you know Debbie Barrett. She comes to our first service. We had, we had almost 30 sewing machines, 100-year-old sewing machines come in. Now I am overwhelmed by sewing machines because guess what? I don't know anything about sewing machines. I don't know about anything about brand-new sewing machines. I don't know anything about 100-year-old sewing machines. But guess what? Every one of these sewing machines was going to make a difference in some family's life in Zambia. And so we needed these things to work. And we called a guy, an expert in, and he came and he fixed about half of them. And he said, that's all I can do. I don't have time for any more. And I said, God, please do something here. And Debbie Barrett steps up. She says, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. And I said, well, go to it. And you know what? She came in every day 
as we were getting ready to load that, that container, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, we've only, got like a, we've only got a week to get these next 15 sewing machines ready to go. She worked on it every day until every single one of them was done. And then there were two that didn't work, and she made a big sign. These don't work, and that's it. And we're ready to go. And I'm like, hallelujah. Someone understood that we have a job to be done around here. And we sent those sewing machines off in great work and order. My friend, I don't want to embarrass my friend Dennis Weeb here, but a need represented itself in Burundi. Next thing you know, he's establishing his own village. I say it's his own village of hope. He would disagree with that. It's our village of hope. But there in Burundi is a tremendous need. There's an assignment that God dropped in his lap, and he said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And uh, and today, we have people in place in Zambia who are taking care of all these kids. And our, our prayer, our hope, is that our church will be able to go to Burundi this summer. Some of us are going to Burundi, and some of us are going to the Philippines. I've talked to the pastor in the Philippines. He wants us to come. Folks, there's assignments that you and I can step up to the plate and take care of. And God's calling you and me to do that. Will you answer the call? I've I got I to just say a few other words about this assignment that you've been given. How do you, most of us understand that every assignment has a due date. Paul says to Timothy, so here's what you need to do, Timothy. You need to come and you need to get here before winter. Everybody here knows what happens when winter hits. How many know that our, our lives are dramatically changed when winter hits us? If you're in Manitoba and you understand what I'm talking about. If you've just immigrated here, have you got a surprise ahead of you? <laughs> Once that snow flies, life is very different. In our, in our country, in our land, we take our tires off and put snow tires on. Ever heard of those? We get out our shovels. All of, our, all of our garden work all comes to an end. Everything freezes up. Our hoses have to be disconnected and put in the garage, otherwise they'll freeze and burst. You know what I'm talking about. Once the winter hits, it's too late. It's over. Gloria and I just went to Banff. And we, everybody knows we go, here, go there every year. We like to go on our hikes, and there's places we go, things we do. And... Uh, some of the places that we wanted to go to and some of the places we wanted to see, they all had closed signs on. It's closed, closed, closed. Can't go in. Season's over. You missed it. It's like those signs were laughing at us and saying, you missed it. Meh. You should have been here earlier. You should have been here before winter. You should have been here on time. And then you could have enjoyed the pleasures of this park. You know what I'm talking about. Once winter hits, golf course is done, parks close, all the things you enjoyed during the summer months, it's all over. You can't go swimming anymore unless you're Finnish <laughs> or crazy. <laughs> it's all over. And Paul's saying this. There's a deadline on this task. Timothy, if you don't get here before winter, I may never see you again. If you don't get here before winter, Timothy, 
I won't have my coat on time, and if, if the Roman guards don't put me to death, the cold will. What's the assignment that God's given you? To, to be a parent? Guess what? There's a, there's a due date on that. There's a deadline on that. Because your kids all of a sudden will hit age 18, and it's all over. If you haven't influenced them by then, if they don't respect you, and if they don't respect the God that you love, and if they don't respect you enough to follow you to church, and to live the way that you know you need to live, guess what? It's over. You missed your opportunity. And you didn't complete the assignment given to you. And there's some of you here today who would say, I didn't complete my assignment. There's some of you here today who would say, pray for me. Some of you, your marriage is this close to coming to an end, and it's almost at the tipping point, the, the, the point of no return. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because there's assignments that you need to complete. And it's got a due date. And if you don't get busy and get that thing done now, you're going to fail. That's what happens in university. That's what happens in school. You don't complete your assignments. You don't pass. That's the reality. Timothy, get, get here as quickly as you can. Paul is really saying this. Timothy, don't, don't procrastinate. Everybody knows what procrastination is, right? Yeah. Here's, here's what psychologists say. They say procrastination refers to the act, listen to this, of replacing high-priority actions, replacing high-priority actions with tasks of low priority, thus putting off important tasks at a later date. Psychologists Schrau, Watkins, and Olison have proposed three criteria for a behavior to be classified as procrastination. You ready? Here they are. Write this down. Number one, counterproductive activity. In other words, activity that takes you away from your goal. It takes you away from your assignment. Needless activity, needless behavior. Behavior that has no value. It's empty, it's pointless, it's useless. Like video games. Like TV. What's stopping you from completing your assignments? What's, com what's stopping you from having a good relationship with your spouse or with your kids? How are you wasting your time? Needless activity. And then finally, delaying activity. It's postponing it, I'll do it later. I want to ask a question in closing. How much time do you have left? How much time do you have left to complete the task that God's given you? My experience has been this, is that if I don't rise to the occasion and do the task, the assignment that God has given me, he'll probably raise up somebody else to get the job done. But there will be consequences. With your kids, if you don't complete your assignment, there will be consequences. In your marriage, if you don't spend the time with your wife, your husband, and get that sorted out, there will be consequences. With your job, if you don't do your job well, if you are not doing your job with excellence, there will be consequences. 
We call it being fired. God's got a work for you to do. I think of Kids Club, transient area that we're in. Some of those kids, we see them only one time. We have one hour to impact them for Jesus Christ. What's the assignment that God has given you? Paul says this in closing. He says, grace be with you. God be with you. People say, you know, I want to have the, I want to experience and know the, the presence of God. I want to know the power of God in my life. Well, folks, here's the secret to experiencing the presence and the power of God in your life. Work on your assignment. Complete your assignment. And you will experience the power of God at work in your life. You will experience his presence in ways that you never dreamt possible. If you're sitting here today and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not on fire for God anymore. I've lost my fire. I've lost my zip. I'm, I've lost my joy. I've, I'm, I'm not energized. I don't feel like coming to church. Well, I'll tell you the reason you feel like that is because you have been procrastinating. You haven't been doing your assignment. You haven't been doing what God's asked you to do. Show me somebody on fire for God. And I'll show you somebody who's happy and energized, productive, and getting their work done. Show me somebody who's lost their fire, somebody who's lost their, their energy, somebody who's dull and boring. I'll show you somebody who's procrastinating. It's just as simple as that. You want to get fired up? Take Dennis Weebolt for lunch. You'll be so fired up and so excited about the possibilities things that you could do for God in Zambia or in Burundi. People, the Holy Spirit has given us all a warning today, myself included. And even as I'm speaking to you, the Spirit of God is showing that you that thing that you need to do immediately. Do it before winter. And winter, as we all know, is just around the corner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you right now for your power and your presence that are available to all who take seriously the assignments that you have given. As people who are eternal in nature, people who have been born again and who have been given eternal life, Everything that we do and don't do has eternal significance. God, we pray right now that you would do a work in our hearts. We pray right now, oh God, that you would help us to complete the assignments that you have given to us. Whether it be serving children or serving at the Lighthouse Mission or going to Burundi or the Philippines or just making sure we're, we're getting it right with our kids or with our spouse making sure we're getting it right at work. God, we pray that you would help us to understand that our sense of significance and happiness comes from serving Jesus and serving him faithfully. Help us to get those assignments completed because someday we're going to stand before you and we're going to have to give an account. 
the papers will be graded. The assignments will be graded. And God, we want to pass. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servants. So God, we commit ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.